Welcome to another episode of Touring the AFC South. I am your host, Mike Patton. And of course, if you don't know, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and that's home of the Tennessee Titans. And they have a very, very important draft coming up, among a few other things. So I figured, why not bring in someone that knows this organization very, very well and talks about them on air? Mr. Blaine Bishop, what's going on, man? Mike P, man, it's an honor uh, to be on your show, man. You're putting in that work, man. So it's a privilege to be on, man. I appreciate you asking me to come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I thank you again for coming on. Of course, we're going to get into talking about the Tennessee Titans and what all is going on there. But to open every show, I have to get something off my chest, the Get Off Your Chest segment. Uh-huh. And I want to focus on Mr. Aaron Charles Rogers. Yes, I <laughs> use his full government name. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure everyone has heard all the talk or the non-football talk about Aaron Charles Rogers. Now, he's been talking about darkness retreat. He's been talking about 90% retired when he goes in and then he comes out and he wants to play for the Jets. But he's still a member of the Green Bay Packers. And to me, we see him over and over and over again on the Pat McAfee show. And we see articles about him, things like that. You know, at this point, I'm just ready for him to just be quiet and get traded or be somewhere else. I I, I love the football talk. I love watching him play. I, I must admit that I do. He is uh, a, a Hall of Famer. You can't deny that. But at some point, can we go back to you talking about playing? Can we, you know, the darkness retreat? I get, I get all that. Now that's everyone's probably looking into darkness retreats now because Aaron Rodgers talked about it. But you know, at some point, can we get back to you going to play somewhere or doing this or doing that? Because, you know, it, it, it's it's just at some point, it, it's just becoming, you know, kind of annoying at this point. Now, you know, that's just me and that's just my thoughts. But I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the blame, but, you know, it's just kind of <laughs> it, it, it's it's I'm just I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> well, I, I'm right there with you and I'm a big fan of Aaron Rodgers. Actually. He's my favorite quarterback in the National Football League as a player. I know how to separate emotions and feelings about, you know, all this off the field type stuff. But he's really dynamic and throwing the football uh, last year wasn't so great because he had a I don't want I want to call it a lacerated thumb. So some throws look like Aaron Rodgers, others didn't, uh, depending on the day or the throw. Uh, but he still has that. I'm sure it's healed up now. He played all season with it. So that was kind of crazy. But uh you know, he can throw from any platform. Actually, he can throw the football with either feet on the ground, which is actually amazing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I love him to death. But there, I've been very critical of him, especially this season. I thought he made the wrong move, speaking publicly about his uh, wide receivers before the season. They were young, different generation. He hadn't been practicing with them. Uh, and then they didn't know him. And then you get in the locker room and naturally you're in Rogers. So, you know, they want to try to do everything they can. So you want to build them up. Uh, so I thought that was a wrong move from a leadership point of view. And then, you know, he's a modern day superstar who's actually has somewhat of his own podcast going on, Pat McAfee and his former teammate on there with him. Uh, you know, it, so I, I think that, you know, in itself becomes a little irritant because of the way he kind of presents things objectively, uh, not trying to step on toes, but yet he is. Uh, kind of weekly. So that is annoying. And then, uh, you know, after the season's over, and then, you know, he, he actually acts somewhat like a superstar in the NBA. 
it seems like he gets his way uh, because he's not happy. Or, you know, you went on your retreat and now all of a sudden the organization is not happy with you. Well, maybe they're not happy with the way the play and way your leadership was with the team. They just didn't say that to you because they didn't know which direction this may go. So uh, eventually he'll win out and I just want him to see him play football. And, and you know, mind you, the four letter network, ESPN is always talking about him daily. I mean, so between them, the Cowboys and everybody else, it's, it's just a Aaron Rodgers overflow. So it's time to shut up and just go play ball and let's see you be great. Like we all want to see you and, you know, all this talk and everything else. I just, I'm not, I'm not with that at all. So I, I'm right there behind you on that train uh, with Aaron Rodgers being a huge fan and, I uh, thinking I would want him on my team if I was putting a team together today uh, to go to a Super Bowl. And by the way, get you your number two. Then, you know, you can talk smack. There's a whole bunch of quarterbacks that got, number, you know, one one Super Bowl. But get two, Aaron. Right, right. He, he talks a lot for a guy that's won one Super Bowl. I will say this about him, and plenty may disagree with me. He's probably one of the best regular season quarterbacks of all time, if not the best. But Oh, no, I wouldn't doubt. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm right. Yeah, yeah, no question. I mean, he – Man, he's a bad man. Yes, <laughs> don't get is. me wrong. I mean, he, he, that's why he's where he's at and in the position and in the, in the power. Because most players, even quarterbacks, typically don't have the, uh, I guess, the clout. Uh, Tom Brady's probably it. Even Peyton Manning, I don't think, had that kind of clout, to be honest. Or he would have still been with the Colts after the neck injury. They would they would have brought him back. So, uh um, right. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is dictating, which is very rare in the National Football League. Yeah, very much, very much. But what isn't very rare, uh, well, I will say we're going to get to what is actually rare as well, which is the eighth round of the NFL draft, which is where you were drafted by <laughs> the Houston Oilers. Now, uh, that was the 1993 NFL draft. Eighth round, not even a round anymore, out of Ball State. Now, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. but the pick is still there. 214 still yeah. is existing now that they have 200. And I don't know how many is like yeah. 70 or 80, 90. I don't know what it is. But yeah, 214. But the eighth round does not exist. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So what was it like for you? I have to ask, what was it like for you on draft night? You know, you're sitting there. Did you expect the call? Didn't expect the call? What was the feeling like back in 1993? Oh man. Well, you know, I, I it was it was kind of a culmination of things. Let me talk a little bit about the buildup, you know, playing in the uh senior bowl, uh getting invited to the combine all within a week's time, uh preparing for those things and, and then, you know, I, I thought I was gonna go uh fourth, fifth round, because uh, I performed pretty well at all of those things. Uh so the expectation was somewhere around there. I I was pretty realistic about where I thought I would go. And then uh, on draft day, I didn't have any party or anything like that. I was just there with my my roommate and uh, and just kind of watched the draft periodically. Uh, and once it got to like fourth, fifth round, I'm like, man. And I start seeing guys that I played with in some of the bowl all-star games. And I, I just, I saw some of the guys go before me that I was like, whoa. You know, cause as a player, you know, every player thinks differently. But for me, it was all about, well, I know I'm as good as that guy. Uh, we're about even. He's better than me. I'm better than him. And so when I start seeing guys go ahead of me that I thought, oh, this is it's not even close in my mind, then that that kind of perturbed me. So I, I was getting a little upset. And I think that's where kind of really the hitman really started. Uh, 
because of the, the passion that I play with the game, that took me to another level. Uh, so, uh, you know, the uh, Oilers uh, called me, uh, Mr. Havilak, uh, Havilak, uh, and uh, Hollaback, and he uh, said they're going to take me. I think it might have been like fifth round. And I, I'd already uh, checked out as far as uh, I went to the uh, library. It's the Bracken Library at Ball State. It's a big old facility there, three or four floors. And I said I was studying for a test. They said they were thinking they were going to probably take me. I said, man, <laughs> I don't know what's going on here, man. But uh, you just saying you think you're going to take me is not taking me. So I'm not at home. <laughs> he said, no, 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 no. We're going to take you. So they didn't take me. So. I then uh, left and said, I, I better figure a way to make sure I pass this test. So that's when I headed to the library. And then they called me while I was there. I kind of mixed the story up. And then uh, they said they're going to take me. I said, well, I'm at the library. Then I drove back and saw my name at the ticker at the bottom of the screen. So I wasn't even sitting there live watching my name being called, to be honest. Uh, so that's kind of how I am. I'm sitting there by myself. Uh, okay. So that was the experience. But, you know, coming from where I came from and uh, – just to get drafted, starting off at a Division II program, then transferring, making Division II All-American, then transferring to Ball State, uh, and then just to get an opportunity for me was big. So at some point in time, me and my agent were like, hey, if I don't get drafted, it may be better off because then I could choose a team where I can go where there was a need. Uh, but unfortunately, I got drafted. But when they drafted, the Oilers drafted me, they, I didn't think they needed any DBs. They had drafted three <laughs> DBs the year before, and one the year before that. And I'm like, man, hi, first two, second, third round. I mean, then the first round again, I'm like, man. So I was I was uh, really uh, surprised that uh, I was going to have a shot. And then naturally, uh, when I first got there, nobody knew who I was. And let alone the media thought I had no shot of making the team. Hmm. So wow. it, it was, wow. uh, it was yeah. But it, besides Mr. John McClain, halfway through training camp said, nobody knows Blaine Bishop but they going to know him real quickly because this guy's fantastic. And that's kind of when it kind of changed from everybody not knowing me to then knowing me at that point in time. Gotcha. Now, of course, uh, if people would have told you you would be a four-time Pro Bowler and make a second-team All-Pro during your career, what would you have said to them uh, when you got drafted? <laughs> I would have said, <laughs> I know you are <laughs> kidding me, right? <laughs> so uh, – it, it, you know, it's really funny. I, I, I was on some great teams. I went to the right scheme, the right system, uh, the, you know, really profile all my skill sets. Um, I was a really uh, smart, instinctive football player, studied film, photographic memory. Um, I was kind of that tweener where I was, you know, on some schemes I could have been a corner because that's what I played all through college. I never played safety until I got to the National Football League. And actually, they moved me there halfway through training camp with all the injuries. Uh, so uh, uh, I was in that 46 defense where half the time you're linebacker, the other time you're the nickel back, and then the other times you're the safety. So it was a lot of transition. It was really complex and complicated. Glad I got a chance to be in something like that. It made everything else easy once you learn it. And it was really hard as a rookie. And I studied every night uh, saying, if I don't make the team, I'm going to say I gave it all I got. And uh, if I didn't make it, I was good with that. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And so that's kind of happened. And uh, as time went on, I eventually got in the starting lineup. And to, to make the Pro Bowl, I think uh, just one time was really uh, a heck of an achievement uh, for me. And then to kind of still stay consistent throughout. Uh, but that was actually never a goal. 
that was never a goal. My my goal was always to uh, to get to a Super Bowl and live a boyhood dream and, and play football. I mean, to play on Monday night and then get a chance to play in a Super Bowl uh, was great. Uh, and that's what my goals were. Uh, the, the real literal goal for me personally was to be the best version of who I could be on this team and in, in the talent that was given to me. That's it. And if that's not good enough, then that's so be it. If I don't make any honors or anything else, so that's kind of how I rolled. I I didn't never you know feel like oh I should make the Pro Bowl or oh I should have or I shouldn't have. That that never crossed my mind. If I played the best I could, I could live with that, and it showed up on the tape. So that that's pretty much uh, what's the goal. So to even make one you know Pro Bowl was really surprising and shocking, and then to do it four times was really really uh, unique in itself uh, for me and to say that I achieved that coming from uh, the projects there in Baltimore and Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah, yeah, hey, definitely a great journey. And you definitely took a lot of Titans fans along with that journey, along with Oilers fans, too. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to get into this version of the Tennessee Titans, which going into this season, going to be a lot of questions. We're going to get into that and more with Blaine Bishop on Touring the AFC South when we come back. Whether it's local or long distance, Milligan Logistics has you covered. Milligan Logistics was established in 2020 with over a combined 15 years of experience in trucking, hauling, and logistics, along with over 50 years collectively of project management experience. Again, whether it's near or far, Milligan Logistics has you covered with quality service, Efficiency while taking pleasure in exceeding clients' expectations. Need goods moved short or long distance? Milligan Logistics has you covered. Just reach out to them at 615-354-2618. That's 615-354-2618. Or you can send them an email at milliganlogistics at gmail.com. Again, that's milliganlogistics.com at gmail.com. Good boy. All right. And we're back. Now, when we left off for commercial break, of course, we were talking about the the magical and great career of Blaine Bishop. But we have to talk about this new version of the Tennessee Titans going into this season under general manager Rand Carthen, uh, head coach Mike Vrabel, and another player, that was in question, Mr. Jeffrey Simmons. Now, he was in question not because the people think he could play, but was he going to be here? Going into this offseason, of course, he was into his fifth-year option. He said that he did not want to be in the fifth-year option. Of course, took didn't follow the Titans on social media, all those different things that go on in today's NFL. But <laughs> we have – a new contract signed by Mr. Jeffrey Sims. We have a four-year, uh, $94 million extension, $66 million of that guaranteed, $24 million signing bonus, and 70% of the contract actually is guaranteed as well, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, is a big deal for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, we're going to get into that, of course. Uh, but uh, how happy were you to hear that the Titans took care of one of their own first-round draft picks, finally, Blaine Bishop? <laughs> well, it, it broke while I was on air there on 104.5 on the Blaney Mickey show. So we were super excited because we never get any news to break at our time when we're on. So, uh, yeah, I was super excited because he's a young player. He's a dominant player at his position. 
Uh, only thing you probably could say is you probably could still grow as a player uh, in the, in the pass rush game, but that's being very critical as a pass rusher. Uh, but man, he's a fascinating player. I'm, I'm super excited. He's going to be with him. He's going to probably get all of that contract. So, uh, that's really cool. That's 66 million guaranteed. I think is maybe yeah, a record for the D tackles. I, I don't know if I'm on point on that, but, uh, yeah, big Jeff is a dominant player shown. He's a leader. He's grown to that. Uh, I'm, I'm glad they reward him because I, I was really getting a little nervous uh, because with the new GM, you just never know. And he was a valuable, valuable piece. And they need a lot of holes filled. And you never know if he was going to be on the trade block because he was going to be demanding money that they didn't think they could afford uh, at this point in time. And how far was he going to go with it? Because to be honest, the, the organization could have held him up not only this year, but next year too with a franchise tag. So uh, I thought uh, I thought it was win-win on both sides uh, of the contract. And you have to see what, what you know where he stands with Quentin Williams or who will get paid here soon. But right now he's number two as far as pay, I think, or somewhere close to that, right behind the great Aaron Donald, who's like heads and shoulders above everybody else as far as pay. Right. And any guy that practices with knives like Aaron Donald, he deserves to be the number one paid <laughs> yeah, player yeah. at defensive tackle spot. <laughs> yeah. but you know definitely it, it's very good to hear because of course last year the drama that surrounded aj brown and him getting traded to the eagles the, the titans i don't think could afford to have that happen again because that would be a bad look for them bad look for the franchise and in terms of fans it would have not done a great you know service to them i don't believe in terms of you know kind of con continuity of the faces and names that you know i mean would you agree blaine uh, somewhat, but I, I was still a little nervous, uh, because as I said, and, and, and lucky for him, he was still young. Uh, the AJ Brown, I kind of called it, uh, that that was going to happen. And the reason why is this is a, probably a defensive dominant team more so than anything you would say besides Henry and Tannehill and, and Simmons is elite and he's still young. AJ Brown is a young dominant number one receiver, but guess what? He's in a run dominant offense. So they were, I didn't think they were going to ever commit 22 to $25 million to the wide receiver because I don't think they throw enough for the, to accommodate that for him okay. to get the numbers for $25 million. See, that's the difference. They said, you know, I thought they said, uh, we'll go to 18, but they weren't going to go to 25. They don't, they don't throw the ball enough for them to say, let's put that kind of money at the wide receiver position. I don't care who you are, who you were. It didn't matter. Jerry Rice in his prime wouldn't have got the numbers. I mean, he either. The greatest of all time. So that became a, a problem, I thought. And they said, you know what? Let's cut the cord now. We don't want the negativity. Uh, I was hoping it wouldn't happen. But as a rookie, the ownership group there, then at the time, the late great Mr. Bud Adams when I was a rookie, so I had no idea what he was talking about. He said, we will dismantle this team in training camp my rookie year if we don't go to the Super Bowl. And then guess who we traded? We didn't go to the Super Bowl. Beat Dallas in the regular season all the time. Traded Warren Moon. He was our team. So I, I was, I'm never going to say there's never a shot not to trade any player. However good you are. Even if you're the best at your position. Even Big Jeff. Even Henry. Even Bayer. Even Tannehill on this team. So uh, I'm interested to see what happens here, you know, even going into the draft. 
and then a free agency because I, I still don't know if they're lock and step that this is what they're going to do until they don't do it. Right. You're right. You're right. Now, you spoke of a couple players that I was going to mention. That would be Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill. Now, both of them are going into, I believe, their last year of their contract. Uh, no extension has been talked about or been mentioned with either one. Uh, do you can you possibly see this being the last year of Tannehill and Henry being in Tennessee, or do you see one of them going and one of them staying? <laughs> Man, <laughs> this is a tough one for me because I thought last year their three year window was up. So there's a part of me I feel like you need to turn the page. Now, do you still hang on to some of the guys for one more year? to kind of transition to the ne the next page. I think that's where we're at. So I, I don't know if Tanny Hill will be here or not. I, because if he was going to be here, they should give him an extension. In all reality, it, it, that's just where they should be. So I, I don't know what may happen on draft day. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if something happened. He was involved in the trade. Or Henry. I think they were trying to monitor, as we've been hearing, trade, you know, whispers about the elite players is because they wanted to know what their value were on the market as Rand Carthon was trying to do behind closed doors just to see what they're worth. And I think he was trying to determine that going into the draft, what can we get for them if we do go in that direction? Uh, so, and we want to start kind of clean and maybe at that position, which one holds more value. So I'm hoping they're here and I'm, I'm assuming that they will be, but I wouldn't be surprised on draft day if Tannehill, Henry are even buyer now at this point is traded or even uh cut and I, and I would only say cut mm. probably more so buyered uh because of the safety market and the market of safeties is <laughs> it's not a lot out there and they can kind of pin him in a corner and they can cut him in june and then he has to come back for half his salary maybe uh, mm. so it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of plays this and the number one thing that the reason why they went there john robinson made a huge mistake and it's the allotment of money that they have at the safety position. When they draft, I mean, when they sign Hooker to the long-term deal before the season, that's a big sign that, uh-oh, they're going to get rid of the other high-priced safety on the other side of it because to have that much money in safety position and pay, I think uh, Hooker got 10 or $11 million a year or somewhere thereabout, mm -hmm. and Bayard, who's one of the best, is making 14. I don't think there's any team that has that much in the safety position in one season. So that was a, a red flag for me. So uh, you just don't do that. Uh, so that meant that they were going to move forward uh, in the position. So I'm interested to see how that plays out for Bayer, who's the best safety, in my opinion, in Titans history. Yes, I, I agree. And you had the same thoughts that I had when they signed the extension to a uh, hooker. I was like, Okay, what does this mean for Bayard? You you had the same thoughts I had that it, this could be uh you know you could be queuing up the boys to men and you know singing the end of the road <laughs> for him. So you know I would I would hate it if that's the case because I I definitely yeah. enjoy uh, Kevin Bayard. A lot of people don't know he was a quarterback when he was in high school, so it wasn't wow. like he just was a, a a safety off top. He actually grew and learned in the position, kind of like how you did, except for he flipped sides of the football. Yeah, but yeah, I was a running yeah. back actually all my all my life pretty much until. High school, I was going both sides, but uh, yeah, I was a running back to heart, and I still thought I was running. I'm glad I didn't. I didn't say it right back. I would have never made it to the league. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have a couple other things we want to get into. Uh, that would be the draft. 
Now, as you mentioned, the Titans do have a lot of holes on the offensive side of the ball, deep side of the ball. They have they have holes they got to fill, is what you mentioned in general. Um, offensively, the biggest hole I probably would say is probably the wide receiver position. Um, not necessarily in terms of players, but just that dynamic guy. I know Traylon Burks has the ability, potentially the ability, but other than that, and, and Chig Aquanco, can't can't forget the tight end. Mm-hmm. But other than that, at the wide receiver position, you don't really have anybody that's dynamic. So in your opinion, at that 11 spot, would you be shocked or surprised if they went and got another wide receiver in the first round? Well, that, that's actually a tough question for me in that what is this wide receiver group compared to the previous receiver groups coming out in the draft over the last five years? I would say this is probably one of the weaker ones over the last five years. Now, when you say dynamic, what does that actually mean? Like, who is dynamic in this draft that you say, oh, I got to have him. I got Is he worthy of the 11th pick? And for me... At this point in time, I, I I just don't see the receiver that's dynamic for me. That makes me jump up and say, I got to go watch him. I know there's a lot of, you know, scuttlebutt with the mock drafts and who's in there. And I know um, I'm going to call him JSN from Ohio State. Uh, there are a lot of people talking about him. He had hamstring issues. He really didn't even play last year. Uh, but I don't see dynamic. I see great body control. He's not fast. He's only a four or five guy, but he just produces. Uh, so I, th- that's not dynamic. I want someone when you got them trapped in a corner, they get out. They get out. It's, mm-hmm. He's just a problem. I, I don't see that guy. Now, I see some good players. So the question for me would be, can I get a that almost that same level of player in the second round as I can with that guy at the 11th pick? Because this year, draft at receiver is not as strong. Maybe deeper in good quality players, but not as strong at the upper echelon of wide receivers so for me i think i'm going offensive line uh with my first pick and the priority of positions is different for everybody but but the way vrabel runs his team it is a priority and they are a physical run dominant team so you got to make sure you shore up that line if you don't trade up and get a quarterback uh, and then yeah. Trey Tannehill. So if those things don't happen, then I, I'm I'm going offensive line. I know that's not sexy because I'm I'm a skilled guy and I wanna I wanna see the guys that gonna catch the ball and score touchdowns. But in this offense, now do they still receiver? Yes, they absolutely do. And I think I'm going with the order of O line, wide receiver, then cornerback for me as far as priority of position based off of the draft. It's a deep draft with cornerbacks. You can get some uh, there. A wide receiver, good players, but what, who were you thinking that the wide receiver you gotta have? Now, like if it was Marvin Harrison Jr. coming out right now, oh, I, I, <laughs> I, hey, I, I'm all in on that one. But this year, I, and I've watched a lot of them; they're, they're good. I mean, mm-hmm. I just don't know if I'm gonna get my bang for my buck at 11 that they're gonna come out and just kind of dominate the game like the Jeffersons and the guys that came in early and. In the league, you know, chases. I just, I don't, I don't really see any of that really right now. And I don't even know if they could do it anyway in our offense as much as it's a run dominant team. So I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm curious. Who do you like? Maybe you could change my mind. Well, I was gonna say the uh, the guy from uh, Ohio State, but what I did have in mind was them potentially. It's gonna be watching one of the quarterbacks because if one of the quarterbacks falls, then potentially that Titans pick becomes more more important 
and someone yeah. trades up and then they can trade down and then get maybe get that wide receiver at a lower rate than what they would get in that level. Now, now I that's what I was that. thinking. Yeah, if it's it's if it's in the high teens, you know, 20, yeah, I'm I'm all in for one of those guys. Yeah, you know, there's Jay Flowers, Jordan Addison. I mean, there's a number of guys I think are worthy of more around that 11th man. That's almost top 10. I I don't see a top 10 wide receiver that's gonna come top 10 man. I mean, really, yeah, at 11, that means that guy's gonna come in and pretty much dominate off the bat. I mean, immediate mm-hmm. success, even if he just you know he's gonna get a close to a thousand yards yeah there's just no way around it right now i did have one other thing for you uh that i wanted to mention now you did speak of uh the defense and you talked about the cornerback position now i definitely see some additions being added there of course we do have a particular gentleman who's kind of got a little bit of the injury bug hopefully he's healthy this year that'd be mr farley but uh you know, as far as the linebacker position, would you think that would be a position they would need to be looking at as well? Um, they did get the guy at, from San Francisco. They did get the guy from San yeah. Francisco. So they in, filled that is great. with Long. I think Monty Rice is up and coming maybe later in the draft. I, here's how I look at it. It's, it's priority by position in that what kind of impact can you have? I think you can get a journeyman linebacker a veteran guy or you get somebody after the fifth round that can play the linebacker position i I think you have enough to manage um it's a guy that i like the the arkansas kid sanders but i don't know if he's really a linebacker or a pass rusher i really like him i think he's kind of been under the radar he transferred from alabama and then man he he lit it up and he was playing off the ball linebacker and i was like well dang man i can't imagine what he could be if he was an off the line ball linebacker for many years, that was his first year doing it. So also, he can be a pass rusher. So I may even draft him to be a pass rusher. The guy's six four, six five. I think Drew Sanders' is his name, yeah. And so, right. I, I wouldn't be opposed to that because I want to get an elite guy. I want to get a top of the tier guy if I'm gonna go that route. Uh, but mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, yeah, I'm, I'm third round linebacker. I mean, those guys are all over the place. To be honest, even like tight end. Oh, we need a tight. End. We do need a tight end. But mm-hmm. there's no uh, pits that I'm like, oh, yeah, I got to have them. There's some good quality all-around players that are good pass catchers and blockers at the same time. I want versatile players. I don't want one that can just as good at one thing and then not good at the other. I like versatile players. That way, being a former defensive guy, that would give me tells of the tips when certain personnel came in, what they like to run. So right. I like players that can do everything even if it's just good at everything they're not elite at one now every now and then you're gonna have a guy that's elite like Pitts. i don't see that guy in this draft uh mm-hmm. so uh they can get a guy like that in the fourth round and be a quality player you you can just go to iowa notre dame they always produce good solid nfl <laughs> tight ends i mean <laughs> so right you know i'm sure there's other ones as well so uh this linebacker the priority position I, and i think what i've learned over time is about what you know, in the first two rounds, what players, and not unless they're elite, can impact your team as quickly as possible. Now with all the throwing, it's wide receivers, it's pass rushers, it's offensive tackle, it's cornerback. So, and then naturally always quarterbacks are going to be number one. So then yeah. the other pre- positions are not premium positions. Fullback, H-back, that's, that's not a premium position. You can get a good solid player in the fourth, fifth round, seventh round, free agent, by the way. Yeah. 
It's not a lot of space to draft a lot of players that's out there. So uh, I always kind of look at look at it that way and learning a lot from a lot of different GMs and having conversations. So I kind of look at it that linebacker, not unless you're elite, I'm going to go high in the draft uh, just because you're trying to plug a hole. I think they did the plug the hole with you. saw how much they spent for them too, right? They need right. a lot of money. All and that right. guy's – and I'm a long guy. I love – I thought he should have been starting before he was starting. I thought well, – they, they, yeah, I, they, he should have been out there based off what I saw. So uh, – and he's smart and he's a trigger guy. And, you know, all you can say is – and he's a hard worker. So I, I was really stunned when Vrabel kind of came out and said he, you know, was getting injured, which was true. But he went out his way and said their, his name and both name too. So I, I thought mm-hmm. that was really interesting because he didn't – they asked him about injuries and not necessarily – specific players uh because he played hard uh he's a guy that i i loved i i, I like watching players like him he knows football and he had you know some muscular issues wasn't like you know mm-hmm. uh he wasn't playing balls to the walls every time he was out there he did i i like right. him that dolphins got a steal a steal by the way yes uh uh david long jr yeah so yeah i i get a linebacker but you know I, not, that's not a priority for me Gotcha. Okay. Well, of course, we have reached the end of the show, but there's a game that I like to play <laughs> at the end of the show. Uh-oh. I got I got five questions for you. I got two answers that you have. You got to make one choice. Are you ready? I am ready. <laughs> All right. We're going to go a Nashville question. Uh, hot chicken or are we going to uh, are we going to uh, Slim and Huskies with pizza? Uh, Probably Slim and Huskies pieces. Yeah, let me go get all right, all right. And then, hey, Slim and Huskies, you want to drop a commercial on here? We can do that. (laughs) But uh, um, let's see. (laughs) As far as cities, uh, Nashville or Houston? Ooh, that's a good one, there, man. (laughs) The big city, Houston, H Town. When I was a youngster, that was definitely the the happening city. But Nashville's turning into the it city. So uh, this is a tough one. I don't, uh, I don't know. I, 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 H-Town, it's just too big. It, it's just too much going on. It, H-Town. All right. All right. As far as um, quarterbacks, Warren Moon or Steve McNair, which one do you <laughs> So Me and my buddies was talking about this one day, and I'm like, <laughs> no one has ever asked me this on here. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. Woo! Big dog Warren Moon threw the prettiest ball by far. That thing had a whistle to it. I mean, I'd be like, man, <laughs> that he, he is pinpoint. I'm gonna go if McNair is the toughest son of a gun I've ever played with, and that's putting him in the high regard. The late great Aaron McNair, man, he there, there was times I said, hey man, you don't got to play. We got it. We we got Neil Donald. We good to go. <laughs> we good. <laughs> Just so man, he woo. In the trenches, depending on what offense, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. If I'm in a throwing mm-hmm. offense, I'm going one move. If I'm in a balanced offense like we were, I'm going Aaron McNair. So I'm gonna play it like that. So whatever offense I'm in would determine what quarterback I, I'm going after. All right, let's see. We're gonna go uh, wide receivers here. Uh, we got Derek Mason or we got AJ Brown. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Somebody need to go look up Derek Mason's numbers, man. This dude, he was yes. he was in the top twelve initially, or somewhere thereabout. 
when he finished in all-purpose yardage in NFL history. Mm -hmm. And now he's in the top. I think he's in the top 20 now. Derek Mason yeah. is, is easy by far. If, you know, A.J. Brown had a, another body of work. He didn't even return punts and kicks either. So uh, mm -hmm. Mason did that. Mason turned into a fascinating dynamic player and it was all because of his running skills and once they realized that he could be more than just a slot receiver he just took off and i, I wasn't surprised because he was doing it at practice so i i Derek mason in the last slide for me all right yeah i had to i had to throw in there Derek mason because uh he's the most to me the most one of the most underrated players to ever play yeah, in tight history he did. yeah yeah that, yeah when, I, when you say you're a top 20 of all time i mean you could check but you know fact check me on that top 20 all time and all-purpose yardage, receiving, returning the kick. Man, top 20 in the NFL history? Man, yeah. that, that's phenomenal. There's a huge argument he should be in the Hall of Fame, for sure. Eventually, I hope he does get in because that, that's just unreal. But I, I'm I'm not sure if he's going to keep moving down the list. <laughs> right, right. And the last one, of course, I got to go to the uniforms. The old school Titan uniforms or the new school Titan uniforms? Ooh. Ooh. Well, naturally, the newness of ours was always great because it was the first. And so that's always going to be frame of reference for me. And I was still playing. Uh, so I I want to say the newest, but now, I mean, the old school. But, yeah, the, the new ones, I, I like that. Yeah. Oh, you got me going back and forth. I'm trying to talk myself out of it, but I'm going old school. Yeah, I, the right. letters, the, the numbers are too thin and tersey for me. That's the only thing I don't like about them. That, everything else is cool. As long as they don't wear the, the all baby blue Smurf ones, I, I'm, I'm good. Now, of course, this year may, we may get the throwbacks potentially, so I'm looking forward to seeing that, what happens or what kind of combination of a uniform they got. You know, I don't know if you saw the promo they had with the oil coming down. Uh, or the Titans put out? Oh, no, I did not see it. I, we, somebody was talking about it, and because they were mm -hmm. talking about they're going to use the red, like, mask, or, you know, for the helmets. They're going to have red in it, and it's going to be Oilers jerseys, right? It's supposed to be uh, it's supposed to be Oilers jerseys, I believe. I think that's yeah. what they're hitting at. We'll, we'll, we'll see, of course. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be the original Titans. Or, you know, I, I'm actually, that's a great point. I, I'm actually glad that, you know, it seems like a new organization since Amy has taken over and, and she's embracing and it's the perfect time, you know, you know, two or three years ago was when they started it, you know, embracing the, the history of the Houston Oilers where the organization moved from Houston. Uh, you cannot forget it. It's just out there and, and they own it and it's their right to put it back out there. Now that the Titans feel like this is their team and their logo and you can bring back that history. So people understand where, where it started. And I think that's always vital and very important. So, yeah very much very much now we've got five questions they're all done they're all wrapped up you've given your answers and we have reached the end of the show i want to thank you mr blaine bishop for coming on the show if you haven't already check out the blaine and mickey show on 104.5 the zone you can check it out online as well uh but blaine the floor is yours you want to tell everyone they can reach you find you on social media and well all else you have going on uh, B Bishop 23 on Twitter and, uh, blame Bishop on IG pretty much. Uh, you know, just, you can just Google me. You'll find me. I'll be around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you again for coming on. Now, again, the, uh, Blaine and Mickey show is uh one to three, correct? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. One yeah, to three p.m. Central Time, Central Standard Time, y'all. So if you're in different time zones, go ahead and make that adjustment. But yeah, one zero four five the zone, and you can get it on the app too. By the way, sorry about that. Right. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you again for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to Torn AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. We're out.